right, let's, let's read the story, shall we? This is in John chapter 12, verse 12. This is the next day, the large crowd that had come to the feast, that Jesus had come to the feast and had heard that Jesus was coming to Jerusalem. So they took branches of palm trees and they went out to meet him crying out, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord, even the King of Israel. And Jesus found a young donkey and he sat on it, just as it is written, fear not, daughter of Zion, behold, your king is coming, sitting on a donkey's colt. Behold, your king is coming. Let's pray. Father, Lord, we thank you for your son, Jesus. We thank you for this plan of redemption. And Jesus, we just right now, we want to honor you as our king. Lord, I thank you that you are our saviour, that you are our shepherd, that you are so many good things. But right now today, God, we focus on the fact, Jesus, that you are our king, that you are the king of kings. And so just as the people gathered on Palm Sunday, worshipping you and praising you as king, God, we worship you and we welcome you afresh as king into our lives. And God, we apologize for all of the times that we do not honor you as king in our lives. And Lord, I pray that through your word today, God, that we would begin to understand and grasp just what it means to have you as the king of our heart in our lives. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 Can you think of, I was thinking about this about the times in your life that maybe you've been waiting on something for such a long time, praying for something for such a long time, and then all of a sudden it comes to pass. I don't think, you know, Hayden was talking about hope. I think there's nothing quite like it when you finally see the fulfillment of the thing that you've been waiting for and hoping for and praying for for a very long time. You know, maybe for you, it was holding that miracle baby in your arms for the first time. Maybe it's finally paying off a debt that you've been working for for a long time. Maybe it's finally seeing your son or your daughter um, receive Jesus as their savior. Um, it, could, it could be anything. And um, for us this week, we actually had a big moment like that where we had been hoping and praying for something for a very, very, very long time. And, and finally it came to pass. And I just wanted to share that with you. So um, we've got four kids and, you know, we've got a decent gap, the, the 19 to 9. And so we've been doing children for a long time. And so when you have children, you end up in a, in a season of nappies, right? That's what happens when you have babies and toddlers and there's nappies. And, and I remember my friends... Um, like one by one, they'd be like, wow, after five years, finally, you know, we're out of nappies and pull-ups. If you don't know what pull-ups are, that's like a night nappy. Um, and it'd be like, wow, that's so exciting for you. Um, our beautiful daughter, Violet, she's, she's amazing. She's got some disabilities with her bladder and with her bowels, and it's been a real challenge. And so, you know, I've been celebrating my friends, and they're like, yeah, five years, six years, awesome. And I'm like, so great, you know, as I'm like 10 years, 11 years, 12 years, 13 years, 14 years, 15 years, 16 years, 17, 18, 19 years of being in this season of praying and wishing and hoping that one day it will finally come to an end. And on, um, on Monday, um, our son Charlie came home. 
And he said to um, me and to Violet, he said, hey, I was just in class and God spoke to me. And he just said to me that if Violet didn't wear a pull-up tonight, it would just be fine. And he said that, and Violet was really excited. And me and my flesh, I was thinking, ah, like every time we've tried this, it is not, you know, we have not had success. Um, But I was like, no, I love his childlike faith, and I love what he just spoke out, and I believe he heard from God. So yes, we prayed about it, and Violet went to bed all excited without a pull-up on, and and she woke up with a dry night. It was a dry night, first time ever. And then Monday night, Tuesday night, Wednesday night, Thursday night, Friday night. It was like morning after morning. And so all of a sudden, three years shy of 20 years of being in the season, we're finally, yeah, we should absolutely celebrate that. <laughs> I went and um, I stood in the aisle, you know, like the, the nappies and pull-ups aisle. And I just went to grab it because, you know, it's t- almost 20 years, people. Like, let's just think about that for a moment. And, um, and I just started laughing because I was like, I don't think I need to do this anymore. And then people were like kind of... Why is she laughing? Um, But how amazing that this, you know, all of a sudden, the day that I had been longing for, praying for, waiting for, had finally come. And when you think about the Israelites in this time where they're they're laying down these palm branches and they're laying down these cloaks and and they're, they're inviting and welcoming Jesus as King, we have to understand that the people of God, the Israelites, they had been waiting for a very long time. So they had been oppressed by the Roman Empire and they had been waiting not just 10 years, 20 years, 30 years, not just decades, but for hundreds of years, hundreds of generations, they have had some form of oppression and they knew the messianic prophecies and they knew that there was, you know, every family would then tell their children who would suffer under an oppressor, they would say, but one is coming, one is coming he was prophesied about. We believe that there is a Messiah coming. And so when we understand that truly, um, and we understand that the people of God, they really knew their Torah, they knew the Word of God, they knew the prophecies. So every single person, every single man that would be risen up like in authority, he'd move powerfully um, in the things of God, perhaps he did some miracles, they would all um, like size them up to the prophecies. And they knew these prophecies. And so one by one, they were watching this Jesus. They were watching this Jesus as he began his ministry, as he started speaking in power. It often said that his authority, the way he spoke, was like different. They were like, where did he get this authority from? And so they're watching this Jesus and they're starting to watch as one by one, he starts to tick a lot of boxes of these prophecies that were spoken. There was prophecies that the Messiah was to be um, preceded by a messenger, And we know that John the Baptist, he would go to prepare the way of the Lord. And when you start to read the prophecies and then read about John the Baptist, it's incredible the accuracy of it. We know and they know that the Messiah was to be born in Bethlehem. And when Mary was heavily pregnant, uh, Joseph and Mary were called, there was a census. And so they had to go to Bethlehem where Jesus was born that the Messiah would be born of a virgin. I'm sure not everybody believed that, but um, that happened. And I love in um, 
it's in Matthew 11 when John the Baptist, the very one who was sent to be this messenger to prepare the way for Jesus, he's actually in a prison cell and he wants to know, are you the one, Jesus? Are you the one we've been waiting for? And so let's read that in Matthew 11. It says that when Jesus had finished instructing his 12 disciples, he went on from there to teach and to preach in their cities. Now, when John heard in prison about the deeds of Christ, he sent word by his disciples and said to him, are you the one who is to come or shall we look for another? And Jesus answered them, go and tell John what you hear and see. The blind receive their sight and the lame walk. The lepers are cleansed and the deaf hear. The dead are raised up and the poor have good news preached to them. Those are the things prophesied that the Messiah would do. And so Jesus says, go and tell him what you see. Go and tell him what you see. And you have to understand that John the Baptist wasn't the only one asking the question, are you the one or is there another one coming? And so when we get to this point of the story where they're welcoming Jesus in, what had just happened a few days before is that Jesus had like come to, I guess, the pinnacle of his ministry and his greatest miracle is where he actually goes and he raises his dear friend from death to life, his friend that had been dead for four days in a tomb. And he goes there and with three words, he says, Lazarus, come out. And up he comes and out of that tomb. And so everyone starts hearing about it. And because it's the time of Passover, everybody have been coming from their villages. They've been coming to Jerusalem. So there's more people there than usual. And then they're hearing about this Jesus. They probably saw him do miracles in their town. And then they're hearing that he raised this guy from the dead. And so it said that not only were they coming to see him, they were actually coming to see Lazarus too. So much so that the Pharisees wanted to kill Lazarus. The poor guy was just raised to life and they want to kill him again. But because so many people were believing in Jesus on his account because it said that the Messiah would do those kind of miracles. And so here we find ourselves on Palm Sunday. He just performed this great miracle. One by one, people are going, I think this guy might be it. And so let's pick it up. We're going to read in a different translation. And this is in Luke 19. And it says, when he, drew near to, when he drew near to Bethany on the Mount of Olives, he sent two disciples, disciples saying, go into the village in front of you, where on entering you will find a colt tied, which no one has yet sat. Untie it and bring it here. And if anyone asks you, why are you untying it? You shall say this, the Lord has need of it. And so those who were sent away found it just as he had told them. And as they were untying the colt, the owner said to them, why are you untying the colt? And they said, the Lord has need of it. And they brought it to Jesus and throwing their cloaks on the colt, they said, they set Jesus on it and he rode along and they spread their cloaks on the road. And as he was drawing near, already on his way down the Mount of Olives, the whole multitude of his disciples began to rejoice and praise God in a loud voice for all the mighty works that they had seen, saying, Blessed is the King who comes in the name of the Lord. Peace in heaven, glory in the highest. And some of the Pharisees who were in the crowd they said to him, teacher, rebuke your disciples. And he answered them, I tell you, if they were silent, the very stones would cry out. If they were silent, the very stones would cry out. And so here we have this 
big crowd of people declaring that Jesus is the king as they were laying things down for him to walk over that was them saying that he is they were treating him like royalty and there was no doubt that Jesus was entering Jerusalem to claim his victory as king but there was also something else going on See, to truly understand Holy Week and to truly understand what Jesus did for us, we have to first understand the Passover. See, Jesus was a Jew, and at that time, it was the time of Passover. And so what was happening is there are these incredible parallels, and I'm just going to share some for you. So as Jesus was entering the city, as he was entering Jerusalem, the Passover lambs were entering Jerusalem at the same time. The Passover lambs were born and raised and set aside for that purpose in Bethlehem. The ones that had no spot and no blemish, they were the ones set aside to become the Passover lambs. And we know that Jesus was born in Bethlehem and he had no spot and no blemish. He was the one without sin. And so these lambs are entering the city as Jesus is entering the city. These lambs then go to the different households and Jesus goes to the temple, his father's household. There um, in the households at the time, the Jewish people would be getting rid of all of the yeast in their house. Now the yeast, it was a symbol of sin. So they were cleaning out all of the yeast in their house as a symbol of the sin, clearing out. And when Jesus went to the temple, he clears out the temple He starts turning over tables and he tells the money changers to get out. He says that my God said that this will be a house of prayer. You've turned it into a den of robbers. One of the translations says he even like made a whip. (laughs) So cool. And he got them out of there. He cleaned out his father's house. As these lambs were in each household, they were loved for four days. That was what they were to do is to love these lambs. And Jesus, for four days, he spoke in the temple, and it said that they hung off every word. He was loved. And then what happened is they would have, the Israelites would have a Passover meal. They would sacrifice the lamb, and they would eat it together. And Jesus also has a meal with his disciples, with his family. And he said to them that he was the meal. He said, I am the bread that has been broken for you, that's my body. And this wine represents my blood that has been poured out for you. And so as Jesus is entering the city and they're welcoming him as king, there is no doubt that he is also entering the city as a Passover lamb. He's not the warrior king that they thought they were welcoming. They thought they were welcoming a warrior king that would save them from their oppressors, but they were welcoming a savior king that would save them from their sin and from their guilt and their shame. Pretty amazing stuff, hey? He was the savior king. And they worshiped him in two ways. They worshipped him in two ways. They laid something down and they spoke something out. They laid something down and they spoke something out. What we need to know is that Palm Sunday, that today, when they welcomed Jesus, it was all about giving him the glory that he deserves. 
giving them the glory that he deserves. And I believe we have an opportunity now to lay down everything that does not bring him glory. To lay down everything that does not bring him glory. To lay down perhaps the need to be in control. See, God's in control. He's in control and we cannot welcome Him as King when we're wrestling Him for His position. And so we have an opportunity today to lay down control. Perhaps you need to lay down a belief that you're not enough. Maybe even as I said that, you're like, oh my gosh, that's me. I have a, when I come before God, I have this feeling that I'm not enough. Or maybe when I walk into my faith community, when I walk into my spiritual family, I have this feeling that I'm not enough. I just want to speak John 15, 16 over you. And this is the words of Jesus. And he said, you didn't choose me. I chose you. And I appointed you to go and produce lasting fruit. I tell you, it does not bring him honor and glory to not believe that. So maybe today you need to lay down this belief that you're not enough. Perhaps you need to lay down a fence. I tell you, a fence against our brothers and sisters, it does not bring God glory. It does not bring God glory. Yes, people can hurt you. That happens all the time. But nobody can make you take up a fence and nobody else can lay it down for you. And I believe in order to truly honor God as king, we have to lay down our offense because our offense doesn't bring him glory. We need to lay down our rebellion. We either trust his rule and his commands are good or we don't. We can't welcome him as king and pick and choose which commandments are good for us. He's either king or he's not. His rule is good or it isn't. And so we get the opportunity to lay down our rebellion and to say, I'm sorry, God. I'm sorry that I was picking and choosing when it felt good for me. No, I lay down my rebellion and I choose to follow your way. I choose to treat your commandments not as optional, but as good. Maybe God's calling you to lay down pride, unforgiveness, fear. I don't know what it is, but I just pray even now that the Holy Spirit would begin to reveal what it is for you to lay down. We lay these things down because, yes, they bring, it brings us freedom to do so, but more importantly, they bring no honour to God and we are going to bring honour and glory to Jesus today. So they laid some things down and then they spoke some great things out. <laughs> they spoke out their praise before Him. It said that, um, that the whole multitude of disciples began to rejoice. Rejoice, that means to be glad and to praise God with a loud voice, not a quiet voice, for all the mighty works that they have seen. They said, blessed is the King who comes in the name of the Lord. Peace in heaven, glory in the highest. And some of the Pharisees in the crowd said to him, Teacher, rebuke your disciples. And he said, I tell you, if they were silent, the very stones would cry out. Gosh, we need to praise God. We need to rejoice, right? He's done good things. Has He done good things in your life? Has He saved you from sin? Has He given you a new hope and a future? He gives you a new spirit. He gives you a fresh start. He's done something miraculous in our household this week. He's doing miraculous things in your life. And we can be glad and we can rejoice and we can praise Him with a loud voice. I love that, um, that, that Jesus said, look, if they were silent, the rocks would cry out. 
the rocks would cry out. I've been listening to this um, worship song um, called A Thousand Hallelujahs. And one of the lyrics, it says, Who else would rocks cry out to worship? Whose glory taught the stars to shine? Perhaps creation longs to have the words to sing, but this joy is mine. This joy is mine. So as Jesus entered Jerusalem as Saviour King, as Lion and the Lamb, the crowd laid down something at His feet. We're going to lay down that which doesn't bring Him glory. And they spoke out praise. And we're going to do the same. 